Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. It's time for another Q&A episode. The questions are coming in and I want to be sure I'm here to provide you with whatever I can to support you in your love and life pursuits. Today we're talking about what to do when your ex's new girlfriend feels the need to badmouth you. We're also going to look at should I change my name now that I'm divorced? And finally... I tackle the legitimate question that so many of us have had. How can I possibly ever trust again when I've been in toxic relationships and been cheated on over and over? I answer your questions after this. Hi, Karen. I was calling or just to have a question in regards to, so when you have a breakup and the new girlfriend starts to harass you by sending you spam mail, talking badly about you to mutual friends or, or about you to mutual friends. How, how do you resolve that? Like, do you go to your ex and say, please have them stop, even though you've asked them to stop, but you know they're going to deny doing any of that? How does a person keep their sanity and not seem crazy whenever they present that? Thank you. I hope you're enjoying your day. Bye. Okay, first of all, let's congratulate you because apparently you were such a prominent force and factor in your ex's life that she is threatened by you. Yeah, that's what's going on. I don't know why she needs to be petty like this, but apparently she's insecure about your relationship with your ex because if she weren't, there would be absolutely no need for her to be running around town talking bad about you. So we can reframe this as just a commentary on how fabulous you are. (laughs) That being said, no one wants to have someone saying lies about them and saying hurtful things and mean things about them. So I get where you are and I would be very frustrated as well. I don't know that there's a great solution here. We can't control other people. I mean, sure, you could reach out to your ex and say, hey, your new girlfriend is saying some stuff. I'm not sure what that's about. I would appreciate it if you guys could just go on and have your happy life and leave me out of it. But I mean, my guess is that if you do that, she's going to be even more threatened because now you still have contact with your ex. And if he would try to tell her, hey, stop talking bad about my ex, meaning you in this case, then she's going to lose it because we've already identified that she is threatened by you and intimidated by you. So I don't know that reaching out is really a solid plan. I don't think it's going to have the results that you'd hope for in this situation. Ultimately, I think this is one of those times when you just have to wait it out. If you don't respond and you don't react Behavior theory suggests that she will not get the reinforcement that she wants. She wants to elicit something from you. She wants you to be reactive. And if you give her nothing at all, it's very likely to extinguish the behavior. 
she's going to have to run out of steam because if you give her nothing and she doesn't hear anything through the grapevine that you're upset about it, then she's going to get bored and she's going to move on. And she may still be threatened by you, but he'll have to deal with it. And that's his mess to mess with. (laughs) You know, I always love the notion that the opposite of love is not hate. It's indifference. So I think by you remaining cool, calm, and indifferent, you communicate to everyone. I don't care. Like, that's not my thing anymore. That's my ex-boyfriend. This is his new girlfriend. This is their new life. I'm out of it. I don't know why they're talking about me, but it's not my stuff. And have the confidence to know that your friends, people who truly know you and love you, are not going to believe it anyway, right? You've got your people. They know who you are. They know your character. You have to lean into that. And again, by demonstrating indifference to your ex and his new girlfriend, you're demonstrating to them that you are taking the high road. Like they are beneath you right now. This kind of petty stuff is not your scene. It's probably why you and your ex are not together anymore. And he apparently likes this kind of stuff, which is why he attracted to him a woman who's dramatic and insecure, as I said earlier, because if she were secure in her new relationship with your ex, She wouldn't be running her mouth about you. I think you need to put this experience in the category of it's undesirable. It's going to be uncomfortable for a while, but I'm going to ride it out. I'm going to turn my attention elsewhere. If someone tries to tell me what she's saying about me, shut them down. Just say, you know what? I don't care what she says about me. Like, please don't even tell me. Like, if your friends are all connected, just Literally tell them, say, I need to put a boundary up because my ex and his new girlfriend have their life and I don't want to be part of it. I clearly don't want to be part of his life because we're not together anymore. So really what she says about me, I don't care. Put up that boundary, extricate yourself from the situation, and you will clearly, by your actions, demonstrate to anyone who's interested that you are taking the high road, you are the bigger person in the situation, And let your actions speak for themselves. You do not have to defend yourself. And anyone who truly knows you and knows who you are and knows what you're about is going to know that this is just a bunch of nonsense being spewed by an insecure and petty woman. If you're into personal development, if you geek out on psych research, and if you're looking to level up in all realms of love and life, a love and life support group is for you. In Love and Life groups, you'll enjoy the camaraderie of connecting with like-minded women. You'll feel encouraged and empowered by others endeavoring to thrive in all realms of love and life. We all know there's strength in numbers. So join us for deep conversations designed to provide healing and promote growth. Head over to my website for more details. Hi, Dr. Karen. I've been divorced one and a half years following a 10-year marriage. I kept my married last name after divorce, but recently have been feeling inclined to change my last name back to my maiden name for business and personal reasons. I have three elementary age kids, and I was wondering if a different last name will make school and inevitably travel more difficult. I also plan to remarry in the future when I meet the right man. Would I change my name again then? Seems like a lot to consider. What is your opinion on the issue of name change after divorce? Thanks, Dr. Karen. Great question. And when it comes to divorce, whether it's name change or any other reality, 
My concern is always for those who didn't choose to get divorced. And that's the kids. And I'm speaking as someone who married a divorced guy and became a stepmom. So these are concerns that I'm very familiar with and I've lived through myself. I think for your children, the best thing to do is to keep their name, which is their father's name. And it's no longer the name of your husband because he's not your husband anymore. But for your kids to feel that connection to you, my best advice is to keep that continuity. They've already gone through a big change. They've experienced an enormous loss and divorce happens a lot, but it's the first time your kids have gone through divorce. And again, I'm speaking as someone who was the new stepmom in a recent divorce. So these are concerns that are very intimate and personal. And I think we have to keep the kids at the front of our minds when these situations occur. And clearly you are. I'm sure you're an amazing mother. And I'm sure that you are doing everything you can to support your children through this time and beyond because you have to maintain a relationship with your ex because that's the father of your children. I just think for now, especially as you mentioned that you will probably marry again in the future. And when you do so, you will probably take on your new husband's name. So that will be another adjustment your kids will have to face at some point. They'll have to deal with a new man in their life. They're going to have to deal with their mom becoming someone else's wife and taking on his name. So I think for now, if you can just keep everything as stable as possible, I think that's a real gift you give your kids. I look at it this way. Like for you as a grown adult woman, to have to hang on to this name of the guy who's no longer your husband, that's kind of like, ugh, yeah, not ideal. But for your kids to have their mom not only no longer be with their dad, which is painful enough, but to then say, I don't even want your dad's name anymore, which is also their name. Your kids are still a product of their father. I think when I look at the two scenarios, I think the kids... The potential for the kids to feel hurt by this move on your part, I would vote to make sure that the kids didn't feel any kind of slight or any kind of alienation from you as their mother. So yeah, that's why I would not recommend pursuing changing your name at this point. If you have just a few seconds to help me out, I would so appreciate it. You can do so by heading over to Apple Podcasts, giving us a five-star rating and a few sentences of review that helps others find the program and join the Love and Life family. Hi, Karen. I've been cheated on many times in the past, and as a result, I do have trust issues. I was in a toxic relationship also for nine years. Whilst I've done a lot of work on my self-esteem and self-worth, I don't really know how to tackle the trust issues. I spent the vast majority of the last seven years single, which is fine. I have no desire to be in a relationship unless it's right. So the first thing I have to say is that you are in the best possible place to pursue a relationship because you've said, I have no desire to be in a relationship unless it's right. When we position ourselves and present ourselves on the dating scene from that powerful position of strength 
and certainty and knowing that you do not need a relationship. Yes, you want one. Yes, you desire one, but you do not need one. That is the perfect place to be because it positions you such that you are not going to grovel. You are not going to be needy. You are not going to be desperate. You are not going to be attracting someone and looking for someone who's not going to be good to you because you're like, listen, I am fine. I am fine. Like you said, I've been seven years single. Like I can do life single. I can thrive in life single. I can love my life single. I don't need anyone to complete me or fulfill me or validate me. So I want to just say right off the bat, even though I know that you frame your past and you see yourself as someone who's been in toxic relationships, who's been cheated on. And so you see yourself from the way that you expressed yourself in the question, you see yourself as perhaps coming to the dating scene with a little bit of some baggage. I'm here to say you're actually really on point with where you are. Those last seven years, they have strengthened you. They have given you so much power. You are now dating from an empowered stance. So first off, I just want to say, I hope you recognize that. I hope you are giving yourself credit for that. I hope you are realizing and resonating with the fullness of who you are in this moment. And I hope that, as I noted, you're acknowledging some of the stuff that went down and that that may have impacted you in a way that is maybe making it harder for you to trust, like you said. But I also want you in that same breath to also recognize and acknowledge where you are. Because what I hear when I hear something like your question, I hear strength and opportunity. I hear someone who is going to be pursuing an incredible relationship because you are so not needing one, but you're interested and wanting one. Now, as far as the trust issues, yeah, you're like, I've been in toxic relationships. This has been my thing, you know, for nine years. I mean, that's a long time for sure. My suggestion to you is to really look at what does it mean to be able to trust? We don't want someone new to have to pay for all the mistakes that someone in your past made. And I know that you don't want that either. That's why you've been single for so long. So what do we do? Well, I would say write down what it would mean for you to be able to trust someone, what that would look like. And then put it away for a day or two and then bring it back out and look at it with fresh eyes. Is that reasonable? You know, a lot of people in the beginning of a relationship have this notion, oh, I have anxious attachment. I'm so nervous. I'm so freaked out. Well, listen, in the beginning of a relationship, if you didn't have anxiety, it would be bizarre, right? Because in the beginning of a relationship, there are no knowns. There are There is no certainty. And so it's reasonable to have some anxiety in the beginning and to feel like, well, I don't know what this is going because you don't and neither does he. You're just feeling each other out and trying to figure out if it's a fit. So we take that aside, right? Because you're talking about long-term relationships. Once you're in a long-term relationship, once he has said, hey, I want to be exclusive with you, then what do we expect to see? What do you expect from him? Do you expect that he would check in with you? So again, this is not in the beginning of the relationship. When you are established in a relationship where he has asked you to be exclusive, then it's time to set some parameters, And you don't have to sit down and be like, let's have a conversation about this. You can just, once you're exclusive, you can say things like, 
hey, so, you know, we're exclusive and I'm used to having someone check in with me, you know, every day. Like before we go to bed, we just check in and say, how are you? Or I like a good morning text. Once you're exclusive, you can start establishing some of the things that you would like that would help you be able to trust him. And you can communicate those. And then you wait and see, what does he do with that information? Does he say, oh, okay, that if that's something you would like, I can absolutely do that. And he will probably have things that he would like to see from you to make sure that he can trust you as well. So it's that reciprocity that you just start to kind of step into and see if it works. Because, of course, we've been in many exclusive relationships that don't go to the distance either. So it doesn't mean that once we're exclusive, it's done and done. It just means that we're now at that level where we can start to ask for things and see if our partner can respond in a way that makes us feel safe, makes us feel seen, makes us feel secure. And that's all it is. Is just putting it out there and seeing what he does with that. And again, like I said, write down what you would expect from a, a trustworthy relationship. You would expect to see that when he says he's going to do something, he does it. Not just about with you, but with other people too. You know, when I met my husband, he's in sales. And you know, there's a lot of pejorative notions about salesmen. And that they will schmooze their customers and say whatever they need to say just to get the account. And one of the things I saw with my husband was that he never lied to his customers, ever. Like I'd hear him on the phone talking to a customer and he'd say things like, yeah, the shipment will be there on Tuesday. And it was there on Tuesday. And he'd say things like, you know what? I'm so sorry because I did promise you that it was going to be there on Saturday. And I just heard from my supplier that it's not going to be able to be there until Monday. I'm so sorry. How can I make this right? You know, I saw him taking ownership for whatever went down with his business, taking accountability, being responsible. And when I saw him doing that in business, I was like, "Mm, okay, duly noted. This is not your typical salesman who's out there just spinning whatever he has to spin and saying whatever he has to say to get the account. And I realized, okay, his customers trust him. And I watched that and I took that in and then I watched how he was with me. So much of a relationship is laying back and watching the person show you who they are. So did I trust my husband the first couple dates? No, he hadn't earned that trust. Should you trust someone the first couple dates, even the first couple months, even the first couple months of being exclusive? No, we lay back, we watch, we gather information and we see who this person shows himself to be. So my advice to you is that you should see yourself where you are right now from a position of strength. And as far as trust goes, every new person in your life has to earn that trust. Whether you've been through toxic relationships, whether you've been cheated on before, it really doesn't matter. Every time you start a new relationship, it's a clean slate and he has to earn your trust. The other recommendation I have for you is to check out episode 63 with Ken Page, the author of Deeper Dating. And he talks about attractions of deprivation versus attractions of inspiration. When you have been in the past attracted to toxic people, it's coming from a place of deprivation and what you're going for now in the future. And you are so well prepared for that is to look for attractions of inspiration where the person who shows up in your life is showing up as someone who is safe, who is secure, and someone you can lean into and trust in due time. That process can't be rushed. 
nor do you want to rush it. Because the trust builds as you take that time, you pace yourself to let that person, as I said, show you who he is. When you approach a relationship from that strategic vantage point, you will naturally and organically build the trust that he has earned and it will be fluid and easy and safe and secure. Let's connect on social. I'm most active on Instagram, where I post original quotes, infographics, and I tackle trending topics in my Love Smarter, Not Harder IGTVs. On Insta, you can find me at Dr. Karen, D-R K-A-R-I-N. I'm also on Facebook at Dr. Karen Anderson Abril and on Twitter at Dr. Karen Anderson. The love and life hack for this week is I'm here for you. I've got an ask a question tab on my website. Head over there. You can record the question so I can answer it on the podcast or write it out and then I'll answer it in an IGTV or schedule a consultation with me or join one of my groups. You are not alone. I'm here for you. Take advantage of what we have here in the love and life community because I've been there, felt that. I went through so many of the things that you guys are going through and, you know, I was able to remain hopeful and to remain positive despite the heartache and now I'm so happily married to the love of my life and that's exactly what I am believing for all of you to find. Thank you as always for joining me this week and giving me a portion of your day to share with you what I'm hoping will be encouraging and empowering Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. This is Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. And until next time, make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril.